Welcome to Trial by Wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmitty, Swanee and Clarky visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right. How are we, guys? Well, not too bad. Yeah, very well here, very well. Although a little bit chilly because it's a scorching 11 degrees in mm. the wintry valley. Yeah, it's boiling 12 here. Yep. Oh. Bit milder over here in Perth. Quite a lovely day today. Mm. Mm. Yes, I'm, I'm not having to sit here with the fire on in my fleece, put it that You're way. You're not sitting in an hoodie <laughs> like I am yeah, with my fleecy socks no. on. Yep. Yes. Ooh. Any news? Uh, any news? Not really. No, we, we did walk a lot earlier. No one left their job this no, week. No, I'm still, <laughs> no, I'm still got, got no one. jobs to leave. And Swatty? I don't think I've got any news. Oh, no, it's been a quiet yeah. old week. Fair enough. Well, I haven't got any either. I've just been working and busy. So I suppose we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarky. And together we are Trial, Trial by, by Wine. And what are we drinking today? Well, we're having leftovers. Oh, so um, we're starting with a Delatite Pinot Gris, which was left over from last night. What, Deirdre Chambers? What a coincidence! No. <laughs> that is precisely what I will be drinking today, a Delatite well, Pinot Gris. Yes. Oh, wow. That is, that is a yeah, trial by wine first. Yes. There you go. Yes. Sorry. Um, starting with that. So, yeah, we're having that and then we're going to move on to the bird in hand rosé. Nice. Delicious. Oh, lovely. You mm. like a good rose, don't you? We do oh, like a rose. Yes. Like our rose. Big fans. Mm-hmm. And Swanee? Swanee. Coke Zero, soda. Well, I'm going to do. No, I'm, I'm, at the moment I'm just on still oh. water. Oh, sorry, even tap yeah. water. Uh, but I, I'll, I will sort of upgrade to some diet coke later <laughs> on. But, uh no, I've got to drive around this afternoon for kids' sports. Fair enough. Oh, right. Living the dream. Yes. Yeah, mother, mum's tax. Yeah. I know. I know. There is no um, weekend <laughs> for you, is there? I think the weekends are worse at the moment, to be honest. Really? Yeah, they're just stuff. And, you know, none. this is what I'm always embarrassed about. I don't mean to sound like I'm complaining. It's just... It's just a bit dull. Like it's just going from one thing like that to another, to another, to another, and you end up just driving people around all the time. Mm. I don't, really, don't really even participate or watch a lot of stuff. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So there's always some other child to move around, yes. something else to get to. Yes, unlike you, <sighs> people who have a, a much more relaxed existence of a weekend, I think, than your weekday. Yes, I was going to say, if I ever well, find now, myself anyway. unemployed, yes. then we can the stars will align and. All of us can yep. do weekdays, but right now I still have to bring yeah. home the bacon. No, you've got a, a, yeah. a career, correct. Yeah. Uh, well, as I said, I'm drinking a Delatite Pinot Gris because my box came a couple of weeks ago, but I picked it up from the... Your box came, goodness me. I'm sure I've told you before, but I've signed up to the, the winery directly as part of their loyalty scheme, and it requires yep. that they send you a box of wine every six months, I think it is. So I get a half dozen of the Pinot Gris and I get a half dozen of the Sparkling Kvitz Tremino because I love it. There you go. And so my box arrived and so that's I'm going to have one of these. Well, our box arrived as well. Oh. But, but we get... Where is the winery, guys? Mansfield. Yeah, up near that's Mansfield. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So who's got a story for us today? I do. Um, I do. I do. Well, just before you yes. start, I'm going to point out that I have already lit my scented candle because I've decided that Clarkie does the grimmest 
stories. And Swanee sort of tends to back it up a little bit as well. So she's number two on the really harsh stuff. But do you reckon? Oh, Clarky, Clarky definitely. At, oh, I don't you, for you, him for sure. You do <laughs> no question then. Well, you know, remember I no. edit the shows too, so I get to listen to them That's all true. over again. And now I'm re-editing oh, old gosh. shows, so I'm also listening to it again. I'm thinking, no, Swanee, Swanee holds up her own. Don't you worry on the on the grizzly. Oh. Gone. Although she can't listen to anyone else say it or picture it or no, see no. it. No, no. It's just a bit of a softy when it comes interesting. to Interesting. So, yes, I've got anyway. my scented candle ready to go for whatever fresh hell Clarky launches upon us this afternoon. Oh. So what have you got? Well, I think it's quite appropriate that you've done that. Oh, it's an arson story, <laughs> is it? Oh, no. It's <laughs> no, it's not, not an arson story. No, no, I'm, I'm going serial killer, oh, you know. Yeah. Well, oh, again. Yeah, oh, totally. Smashing them out. Cereal, mm-hmm. cereals. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to go up front. There's no reveal. I'm going to tell yeah. you the story of Paul Denyer, who is the Frankston serial killer. That's very topical too. Yeah, good one. Correct. Yes, yes, just yes. And you'll get it. It's literally, yeah. it's um, been in the news again okay. recently. But okay. I don't, okay. I'll do my sources first and then we'll talk a little bit about Paul. Sources are Wikipedia, abc.net.au, theage.com.au, sydneymorningherald.com, crimeblog.blogstopspot.com, nowtolove.com.au. Oh, good old Women's Weekly, yep. Oh, I know. Yeah, new idea. New idea yeah, on Women's them. Weekly, yeah, yeah. And the Case File podcast, so case number 23, they cover oh, yeah. the same story, but obviously in a very different way with, you know, more detail music and all and those background. sorts of things, yeah. Less less Weird. laughs, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah they do have strange it's music um, in the background. Music. Yeah. So interestingly, I'm not sure this could be a fairly quick story. So as always, feel free to jump in. Yeah. Uh, with any kind of gags <laughs> of the japes variety. I've got a piece of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So back to the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know if you recall when this was actually happening. So it, no, it's a I'm not, not really. I think I was pretty young. Thing. I think and I'm not Victorian. So yes. maybe that has a. It sounds like it'd be pretty important. Yeah. Pretty important. So for people who don't know Frankston, Frankston is a Bayside. <laughs> it does get called Franger and Frankie Town. Yeah. Sorry, um, our friend so Bilzy's from Franger. Yeah. Frankston is a Bayside town in Melbourne, uh, so it's an Australian one for Schmitty, very local, fairly local for us. Mm. And the other side of town. Uh, An interstate less, for me. Less local for Swanee. <laughs> you you yeah, know what yeah. Melbourneites are like, though? We don't cross the, the river. Oh, we don't cross the river. I'm on, no, no. I'm on the wrong side. So I've, I've got a couple of friends who live down that way, um, notably the ex-mayor. So I've been down there a few times, but it's one of those, ooh, foreign country type places because I had to cross the river to get there. This story is from the early 90s. And so at the time, in the late 80s when I was at high school, a guy came to our school from Frankston. Mm-hmm. So he, his parents moved into the area, so he came to our school. And it ended up that some of his old school friends became friends with some of his new school friends when we all had licences. So we used to spend a bit of time over in Frankston and going down the beach and that kind of thing and, and then, you know, vice versa. And that was while this was going on. So Is that when the city, would they come and see you city folk and the country mice would go down? It would go down to the beachside. Yeah, they'd come for a little bit of city action. Yeah. 
the bright lights, the big smoke. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I remember this story quite well. I remember the, you know, the time that the killings were going on. With the scene and at the time in Franger, yeah, yeah. was it pretty feral? There were certainly pockets of it that were. Yeah, because so, I remember having a bad rep. Yeah. Frankston did have a very bad rep. I think less so now. Yeah. Um, They've done a lot to but, work on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct. But, yeah, no, it definitely did have a bad rep mm. at the time. Uh, so Paul Charles Denyer was born on the 14th of April 1972 in Campbelltown, New South Wales. His parents, Anthony and Maureen Denyer, were British immigrants. Paul had four brothers and a sister. His parents separated in the 80s and the children moved with their mum to Long Street, Lang Warren. That's where they ended up with the story, but there was talk of you know Adelaide and a whole lot of different places, but that's where they settled. Right. And growing up, his neighbours recall the Denyer boys being uncontrollable, which I imagine if you've got you know, five boys and a girl. It was the 80s too. You know, like that was a yeah. period where we were allowed to go outside. So you can imagine five boys, mm. you know, racing around, single mum looking after single them. Single mum, yeah, you yeah. You know, so they're having the best time, frankly, out there doing wheelies and shit. I bet they had, yeah. what were they called, spokies? Do you remember those? Oh, spokey dokies. Yeah, spokey dokes. <laughs> spokey dokes. Yeah. I bet they had them on their BMXs, yep. BMX bandits. It's all that time period, yeah. For sure, yep. So at school, Paul was larger than his peers and he reportedly struggled to fit in, which led to problems with study and self-confidence. And this was only worsened by significant weight gain in his teen years. Why were you grinning as you read that? You had a little, Why was yeah, I you had a little as I read smirk that? on your face, yeah. Well, no, I was just kind of thinking about those sort of school years mm. and how if you don't fit in it's it the does worst really period happen. of time ever yeah 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 but also thinking that's not the real problem here. right right <laughs> yeah 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 it was he didn't so fit in not just because he was a bit bigger than the other kids oh no right. no that's Ooh, no, very sure. correct mm. um and we'll talk about that very shortly so denia claimed that he was repeatedly sexually assaulted as a child and according to the age Police have no doubt that he's telling the truth. Mm. But as with all serial killers, there's just that, you know, behaviour that goes on before they start killing. Yeah. How many animals? How much? Seriously. How many pairs of underpants did he Did he happen to fall on one of his Snowdrop. brother's friend's girl and, and ejaculate and on her? And wizard? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't so so his, were, his were not sexual. Violent. Was he? Correct, Nasty. yeah, yeah. Masochistic, yeah. Right. So his, his red flag behaviour started early. So in his spare time, he would make weapons, so knives, spears, ninja stars and glove guns. I mean, you know. What's a glove I think, gun? I think that's fairly normal. But you, where you use the finger of the glove, I think. Oh. Yeah. Don't I, you I, shoot yourself I, if you I, do that? I, I vaguely the remember glove? them. I don't know. Yeah, I, can't okay. I vaguely remember what they were. Yeah, something like that. Oh, All right. Stuart's going to get I'll, onto I'll, that. I'll have Stuart's going to go make on. one. Okay. Okay. I bet I'm I get out the shed. a really inappropriate like a, image. Curiosity. Oh, is it a glove gun? So that was, I don't think that that's so bad, but he mutilated his sister's teddy bears with a knife and he whacked her over the head with a broom when she su- suggested the house needed cleaning. So that's... Oh, I don't know. 
That's sort of happened in my household too. The whacking over the head with a broom or the mutilating of the teddy bears? My sister hitting me with a chopping board once. Yeah, I could imagine that. The mutilation of the teddy bears. Well, there was a, we've discussed before that the Barbie dolls didn't fare very well in our household. <laughs> my brother used to like to take things apart. He was one of those kids who take things apart and then try and put them back together. And, by the way, a glove gun, I've looked it up, is I reckon Paul Denia's glove gun, you were closer, it's a pipe with a piece of rubber glove at one end. That's what it, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. got like an arrow in it and if you you pull the, you're right, yeah. you pull the bit of rubber That's back to create a, yeah. a vacuum yeah. thing and it pushes it out. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. There are lots of these other things but I'm pretty sure that's the Denny one. Yeah, anyway, yeah. sorry, yeah. Look, yeah. The, the teddy bear cutting up is a bit unnecessary. I think so. I swear to God, hitting people over the head with a broom was probably more commonplace in my household than, um, red you know, flag. red flag. <laughs> so how, how often did this happen then, Schmidt? Oh, for us once or twice. It wouldn't no, no, happen. this, this next day. one. This oh, next the, next, one. the next thing yeah, you did? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I don't know. We're about to find out. The yeah. family cat was found hanging from a tree with its throat cut. Right, did that no. happen in your house? Oh, I'll tell you what did happen. No. <gasps> no, but See, we... she is a serial killer, <laughs> Swanee, for sure. No, but what did happen was my sister woke up one morning with a dead cat on the bed <gasps> because what? one of the dogs had caught it in the backyard and they'd you know how animals bring it in Brought to in, lift yes. you? Yeah. Yes. So this poor cat had oh, been killed and the dog came in and oh put it on God. the end of her bed as a gift to her. Mouse. She woke up. It was a, I think it was a big, white, fluffy, dead cat on the end of her bed. She's oh. quite traumatised by it. Was it your cat or somebody else's? No, it was a neighbour's cat. So oh God. we had two dogs that were, in this day and age, they probably would have been destroyed. They were really fine with humans, but they would attack other animals. They were in the backyard. They were kept contained. But if a cat came into our backyard, it was fair game as far as oh, the dogs were concerned. On me too. I think yeah. it's fair game as far as I'm concerned too. Well, I, this, I think, I think cats one. should be kept in their own That's home. now. But back in the, that's, see, I'm referring to things that happened in the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. That, yeah. that was yeah. really common. I mean, at our house, we didn't even have fences between mm. us and our neighbours. Mm. Anyway, yes, no, mm. I didn't kill a cat. No, no one in our household. Oh, dad used okay. to dad used to get rid of feral ones up at the factory, but not pets. Who decided what the definition of feral was? Oh, you know what Airport West was like back in the 80s and early 90s. I just wondered whether, you know, any cat that wandered into the backyard, whether No, he... this was on the factory. So if, if cat, because cats would come in and then they'd have kittens and they'd oh, be yeah, everywhere. They, they were go. feral. They were yeah, feral. Yeah, they got to go. Yeah. Anyway, or dump. Unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, good Sorry, job. Sorry, Sonny. Um, <laughs> uh, Denya denied any involvement in the cat incident. However, there was blood and fur on his knife. One of his brothers found that, so I don't mm. think he uh, can deny that. Uh, anyway, at 15, he left school to join the workforce. However, he was fired seven times, usually for being lazy or dishonest. Mm. He tried to join the Victorian police force but failed <laughs> the physical. However, at one of the jobs that he did have, he met his girlfriend, Sharon, <laughs> which is just a classic Sharon. Aussie Frankston. Yep. Shazza, I'm Shazza from Frankston. From Franger. From Franger, yeah. And they moved into a flat in September 1992. Get me a pack of mum. Obviously an exciting time for them both. Somewhat coincidentally, not long after they moved in, a string of disturbing incidents occurred in the neighbourhood. There were reports of a peeping Tom in the area. Mm. Oh, a snowdropper. I wasn't far off. Mm. A woman returned to her home to find her engagement photos and clothes slashed. Oh, that's unnecessary. Then in early February 1993, 
Donna Vaines, who lived in Claude Street, Seaford, received an anonymous threatening phone call. She was fearful of being alone, so she and her newborn baby went in the car with her boyfriend while he delivered pizzas. So they went to work with him. They returned home about an hour later to find her cat, Buffy, lying in the kitchen. Buffy had been disemboweled and had a picture <gasps> oh. of a bikini-clad woman draped over it. Oh, what? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's weird. It's entrails were spread throughout the kitchen and on no. the wall was written in blood, Donna, you're dead. And floating in the bath were two kittens with their throats <gasps> cut. Oh, holy in shape, toot. Holy toot, exactly. I was so going to make a she, joke about the cat being, you know, doing stuff on the side and wearing bikinis and letting it double up. But I didn't think that's it appropriate. Very, and no, it got, got dark very quickly. I was like, oh, that cat's got something to answer for. But no. Oh, yeah. my Lord. That's, yeah, yeah. That's macabre, isn't it? Jeepers. Mm. It really is. And so bear in mind she's got a phone call that yeah. made her feel threatened, so she's gone out of the house. Oh, God, Thank she God did. she did. And within an hour this has happened. Jinx. I'm not sure it's a good strategy to ring someone to warn them. I think it's an excellent well, strategy. I hope wish four of them did it. <laughs> so you could get out, yeah. you mean? Mm-hmm. Here's fair warning. So in shaving cream, the words Donna and Robin were sprayed on a mirror in the bedroom and there was a slashed pornographic image in the baby's crib. So, oh. so She's been there a while then. Like this yeah. is, you know, one thing after the other. It's not like running. This is all the same incident. Yeah, I know, but it means yeah. that whoever's done it has been in the house for a lot, oh, fair yes. amount of time to ca- kill the cat, disembowel it, get its on entrails everywhere, write blood on the wall, then get the shaving cream out. He's got a work. He's got a to do list. Pornos, going, you what, know. Oh, oh, so, oh, mm, check, oh, check, it's check. It's like a, a treasure hunt. Like, oh, where am I going to yeah. find? I've, I've still got. I've still got to do that porno that I've oh, put in the baby's crib. Shit, I forgot to bring one with me. <laughs> Oh, That's my God. I've got one. I haven't done number eight yet and I'll, I'll come the back to that. shaving cream. Pass, I'll come back to that later. I'll do it last. <laughs> now, you're probably going to come on to this, but do I know who Robin is and did the person who did this know Robin? Or do we? Oh, uh, sorry, not Robin. Um, it's, an, no, it's an excellent question. I what the girl's so my, name. What's her name? Yeah, yeah. So my Donna? very next, uh, Donna. Donna. So Donna. Robin was Robin was a near stranger to Donna. A near stranger. However, yeah, yeah. However, she lived temporarily with Donna's sister Trisha, another friend of Mister Denya and his girlfriend. Got it. So then, do you know? Did he know Donna? Did he know Donna? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he rang Donna. Well, someone rang Donna, and she felt threatened. Correct. Oh, Paul rang. Did, did she? So, did Paul say it's Paul? No, but I'm going Paul to is come the one to your house to kill this. you. No, I know. I realised that, told right? Us that yeah, before. you were yeah. saying that strange was having an. Well, yes, so, no. Well, that, that's very true. So, but, benefit of the doubt and all that. I know we. I know we're going to get to the point where we know it's Paul Denya, but. Yeah, but that no, point so, in so time, does she know it was She Paul? doesn't know that, right? right? And that's very important. So, again, yeah. you, you're asking excellent questions. Because back to because... your point about if people ring up in advance and warn you, they don't normally say who they are as oh, well. Look, yeah, yeah. Hi, Donna, it's Paul Denya. Just, <laughs> yeah. just calling through with a um, death threat. Uh, so <laughs> why don't you pop out well, for a couple of hours while I come in and I've got, I've got a bit no. of a treasure hunt to do and check I've got my no, orientation, orienteering to do. So it's, could you please give me a few hours? Yeah. 
that. <laughs> no, it would have been more like it's Paul here. I'm just ringing to make sure you're home so I can come over and kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right, okay. Um, time to so, go out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Donna, Ooh. not knowing it was Paul, moves in with her sister mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. as it turned out, was it's living the in the unit next to Denya. Oh! So she's getting oh. closer, not further away. Oh, Correct. No. She literally moved in oh. next door. And uh, Trisha's sister, so in that same block of flats, one of the neighbours had also been broken into. And during that break-in, the thief had slashed photos and clothes in her home. At the time, Denya reassured Donna that she would be safe and promised to personally handle the vandal whenever he was caught. Mm-mm. I bet he However, was going to personally. I bet he's been personally handling that vandal handle. for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Correct. So, however, after um, Denya was arrested years later, he admitted to committing the break-in at Donna's house mm. and said that she that had she been home, he would have murdered her also. And obviously, now that she's living next door, it's too close, so they're going to be. That incident all happened before his actual victims, so she Correct. would have been his yeah, first yeah. victim. Right. Correct. Yeah. Instead, his first victim was Elizabeth Stevens. So Elizabeth Stevens moved from Tassie to Melbourne in January 1993 to study at Frankston TAFE in order to join the armed forces. Now known as Chisholm Institute, yes. (laughs) (laughs) She she lived with her aunt and uncle on Patterson Street in Lang Warren. On the evening of Friday the 11th of June 1993, Elizabeth got off a bus on Cranbourne Road, which was the nearest stop to her home. After turning onto Patterson Street, she was grabbed from behind and threatened, shut up or I'll blow your head off. Her screams were dampened by the heavy rain and wind and her attacker led her down Patterson Street by the hand. They were seen by several witnesses who assumed they were a couple. Upon arriving at Lloyd Park, Denya asked Elizabeth, do you want to fuck? Not really. And, no, thanks. And then said, well, I won't rape you or anything. Carla, brace yourself. He then attacked her, strangling and stabbing her before cutting her throat. Before leaving home that day, Elizabeth had left a note for her aunt and uncle stating that she would be home by 8pm after studying at the library. Her relatives initially thought she was running late. However, by 10.30pm, when she had not returned home, they called the police who were immediately concerned by the note. Her body was found at 5pm the next day by a man who was looking for a suitable pine tree branch to use as a Christmas tree for their upcoming mid-year Christmas party. For all I about- swear, I thought you were going to say by a man who was looking for a suitable tree to take a dump behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. I didn't make that connection. Is, is Christmas in July a thing anywhere else in the world other than probably the Southern Hemisphere? Like I, I feel I like... To be. Yeah, probably. No, we're just trying no. to do it because it's cold here. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, so no, for any not. of our um, yeah. northern hemisphere listeners, Christmas in July is something we do so we can have a nice hot so meal. We can pretend we're in the northern hemisphere. We've yeah. done it. It's like the, when Billy and uh, Kath lived up in Bright, where it's freezing. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. Up, like you guys, yeah, yeah. it was Christmassy, yeah. and it gets dark, and you have fires. You know, in, yeah, in nice. Wood fires and that basically mm-hmm. Clarky and Wooey's every day. <laughs> but for those of us who live in the city, it's it feels a bit special. And then you get the kind of Christmas feel and get all the junk, the food, and 
all the rest of it. But it's not really Christmas. Mulled wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really Christmas. But anyway. Okay, so he was trying to find a branch for that. I reckon he was looking for somewhere to do a poo. But anyway. Well, you know, that's. Then he had to change it to, I was trying to find a branch. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, she was only 250 metres from her home when she was found. Oh, Oh, that's awful. So bad. Uh, and uh, disturbingly, her face had several broken bones and it was later discovered that Denya had stomped on her face before dragging her lifeless body to the culvert in which she was found. An extensive search was conducted for her killer. However, they could only find Elizabeth's bag and the blade of a knife, which had broken off during the frenzied attack. Police spoke to residents of the local area and questioned people on the bus to see if they could find anything further. Despite their efforts, they could not uncover anything that would solve her murder. And Elizabeth was just 18 when she was murdered. Terrible. So bad. So bad. So that was the 11th of June. At around 6pm on Thursday, the 8th of July in 1993, Rosa Toth got off a train at Seaford Railway Station and began walking home. She headed past Seaford North Reserve where she noticed a man loitering near the toilet block. Shortly after passing him, she was attacked by Denya. He held a fake gun to her head and she pretended to submit before fighting her way free. She ran to the road, stopped a car and was taken back to her house. Oh, she was lucky. Yeah. Rosa had a badly grazed leg and some of her hair had been pulled out. So she was 41 at the time. Hmm. Okay. After the attempted abduction of Rosa, literally, uh, literally immediately after, Denya went to the train station where he caught a train to Cannonock Station, one station away. At approximately 7pm, Debbie Freem decided to duck out and get some milk for an omelette for dinner. Oh. Her 12-day-old son was sleeping, so she left him oh. there with her friend Russell. As Denya walked down the street, he saw 22-year-old Deborah Freem running into her car, sorry, running from her car and into a nearby store, and she'd left the car unlocked because she was only ducking in oh. to get milk, duck out. Denya snuck into the back seat where he waited for her to return. I mean, it's just, it's the stuff of... Nightmares, a horror movie. Oh, isn't it? Like, you know, all the horror movies and, and all that sort of stuff, this is exactly what you imagine happening. When she returned, he forced her at knife point to drive an, to an isolated paddock in nearby Carrum Downs. By 8pm, she had still not returned home, and so Russell contacted Debbie's boyfriend, Gary Blair, who left work and contacted the police and local hospitals to see if, if they had anyone she who had been up. admitted yeah. or yeah. Um, anything that might lead to where she had been. Then they drove around the streets trying to locate her before reporting her missing to Frankston Police Station. They waited anxiously throughout the night for news of Debbie's whereabouts, but none was forthcoming. Four days later, her body was found in Carrum Downs by a local farmer in a paddock. Like Elizabeth, she had been strangled, savagely slashed, and her throat had been cut. There were no signs of sexual assault and a post-mortem later revealed that she was strangled. The similarities between the two murders revealed that a serial killer was on the loose. Extra police patrolled the streets and women were warned about the danger of heading out after dark. Frankston went from a bustling town to a virtual ghost town at night. So I don't know if you know Frankston very well, but there's a crossroads and there's a pub on each corner uh-huh. yes, and, yes and so it's quite a, a popular spot and, and I think that's where some of the the dodgy behavior came yeah okay in Frankston so lots of people went out all the time and all of a sudden that starts to stop, to stop. so Debbie's boyfriend made a televised appeal asking people to help catch the killer dubbed the Frankston serial killer. Uh, So then a few weeks later on the 30th of July, 17-year-old Natalie Russell was walking home from John Paul College when she was attacked. 
At the time, there was media coverage of the murders, heightened public fear and warnings from the school. Natalie followed her normal route home to Frankston North, taking a shortcut down a walkway which passes between two golf courses. At 8pm that night, she was reported missing to police and her body was found a short time later. She'd been dragged through a hole in a wire fence into nearby scrub. She'd been murdered in a similar way to Elizabeth and Debbie. Natalie put up a considerable fight, though, which resulted in the killer's DNA being found at the scene. The track that Natalie had used, and this is a really nice thing, the track that she'd used was later named Nat's Track, and there's a beautiful bronze sculpture with a backpack and 17 everlasting daisies at the entrance. And so it's now, whilst back then it was a track, now it's well lit and people often use it as a as a cut through. So I guess you know, that's kind of what happens just as cities evolve anyway. But, yeah, it's a, it's a, a very different space now and, and it's really nice to have that sculpture there. So I mentioned that there was a lot of media coverage and, and there absolutely was at the time. I, I remember that quite clearly. But also at the same time, there were two other murders that had happened and the media picked up on those as well. So oh, yeah. whilst they're not sure about the other two, one of them certainly they don't believe was Denya, but one of them there's no evidence that it was him. But the media had just gone because nothing had been solved. They just thought that there were, just you know, connecting five. all the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So, connecting everything. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one was Sarah McDermott. Uh, she was a 23 year old Scottish Australian woman who disappeared from Cannonook Railway Station. So that's the one where he that's, um, the murdered his he second at, victim. Yeah. She was lastly seen alighting the train and heading for a poorly lit car park at approximately 10.20 p.m. Police believed that Sarah had been assaulted as they found bloodstains beside her red Honda Civic and drag marks leading into the bushes. They found her cigarette lighter, but no trace of her was ever found. Witnesses later said that they heard a woman shouting, give me back my keys. An extensive search by land, air and sea was conducted, but no further evidence was found. Paul Denyer was interviewed by Detective Ron Idles and denied any involvement in the disappearance. But I guess the fact that she was never found meant that they could never There's no evidence rule her to be in or out. Or out, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I think um, Ron Idles, I, I don't know if you know Ron Idles, he's quite a famous Melbourne detective, I guess. He's got a TV show and all that sort of stuff. So, But he, uh, I believe, said that he believed when he said he wasn't guilty of it. Michelle Brown disappeared in Frankston on March the 1st, 1992. So this one's a bit earlier. She'd spent the day at a friend's house until 7pm. It was her 25th birthday. She walked with a friend to Food Plus. Do you remember Food Plus? Mm-hmm. I used to love Food Plus. For that, anyone who doesn't, it's like a 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. She went there to call her mum and asked her mum to pick her up from the Frankston Railway Station. Her friend left her at Food Plus to head home whilst Michelle commenced the four-kilometre walk to Frankston Station. That's a long walk. Mm. Yeah, it is. I, I, you I thought that to too. Pick you up at- <laughs> from the foodies? Yeah. Food Plus? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I... Four <laughs> 92, like we, were, we were walking to? everywhere in, in 92. Yeah, I agree. But but Food Plus, it was 24 hours, so why not just pick her up there? Yeah, yeah. Do we know what time this was? Right? Yeah, so after 7 p.m. So, yeah, it would have been light still being March. March, yeah, on the cast, yeah. but yeah. So her body was found two weeks later in an old shed near Frankston Railway Station. There's no evidence linking these murders to Denya. However, at the time they were suspected to be linked and they added to the fear. People started carrying hockey sticks and some women were carrying oven cleaner with them to spray in the That's eyes of idea. any would-be attacker. It's genius. I had no, never thought never of that. Never thought of it, but no. 
I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Why? If you dislike mace. It's acidic. It's corrosive. Yeah. So it'll really hurt if it gets in your eyes. Yeah. That'll stop someone in their tracks. Those people in Frankston, they they don't muck around. I'm surprised you didn't say hairspray and a cigarette lighter. <laughs> Which would also work. Yes. <laughs> or a can of impulse. Yeah, yeah. Back in the any, day. any yeah. any highly flammable aerosol. Because of all of the media coverage and I guess the the fear that came with that, a lot of the homes in the area were not being rented. So That's people people stopped moving into the area completely. Right. Um, so yeah. So let's talk through the investigation. Um so police had begun investigating right back when the initial uh, break-in happened at Denya's Flats. So this was the one before Donna, right. remember? No. So that's when it all started. Um, at Denya's Flat? Why, why would yeah, you- so in, in that block of flats. So remember oh, in Donna the flats. moved into the flats next door to Denya yeah. and there was a, a break-in that happened there. his place didn't get broken but into. that was no, after. No, no. In no. his block of flats. Yeah, so someone who had the engagement photos and that damage. Wasn't that Correct. after Donna had been? After Donna's there was another no, one. so that was the first one, but Donna oh. didn't find out about it until okay. she moved in. And, and, oh, right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Then, of course, when Donna's home was broken into, that upped the ante a bit. And then when Elizabeth, who was the first victim, was murdered, the investigation became a large-scale one. So there were no external forensic evidence found at the scene and no witnesses came forward. Upon the discovery of Debbie's body, scuba divers were called in to search nearby Cannonook Creek for evidence. And again, no forensic evidence was found. However, you recall that he got into the car and was forcing her to drive. Yeah. Mm. So her uh, car witnesses must have been re- recalled her greyness and pulsar driving erratically and flashing high beams at passing cars. So she's obviously trying to get attention because she knows. And they're all going, bitch after you too, mate. I've yeah, not done yeah, anything. Drive properly I haven't got me lights on high beam, you bitch. Road yeah, exactly. raging. Rude. <laughs> so they found her car and searched it. There were traces of Debbie's blood in the car and the driver's seat was pushed right back, too far back for Debbie to drive the car. Right. After so the he's murder moved of the car. Yeah, correct. So, yeah. Exactly that. Yep. So after the murder of Debbie, police began to put together a profile. And I'm actually quite surprised at this. So they said that it was um, a male who was probably unemployed or with a menial job, a local aged 18 to 24, average looking and living alone. So that bit they got wrong. They got that wrong, but everything else they're pretty close mm, on. Yeah. Pretty spot on, yeah. And it was aided by the description given by Rosa Toth, who she'd said it was an 18 to 20-year-old male, 180 centimetres tall and with blue eyes and a rounded face. And he was wearing a boiler suit. <laughs> So he probably has manual labour. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he didn't have a ring on his finger, so I'm guessing he's alone. So yeah, he lives alone. <laughs> yeah. Aided by or provided by, yeah, okay. We often talk about defective detectives and, and all that sort of stuff. These the police all right. knocked on the doors of 4,700 homes looking for clues. Mm. At, at the time, the largest door knock ever conducted by Victoria Police. The lead-up to the attack of Natalie Russell shows how close police came to preventing the murder. At 2.30pm, a postal worker had seen a rusted yellow Toyota Corona without number plates parked near Nat's track. The man inside was using binoculars and acting suspiciously. The postal worker stopped at a nearby house and called the police. And as she entered, uh, she saw the man run down Nat's track. The police attended shortly thereafter and noted the registration details of his car. So remember I said there were no number plates. Mm. Remember when we used to have the registration stickers that Mm -hmm. had the... 
rego on, rego on it. Yeah, yeah. So he'd taken the number plates off but left the rego sticker on. Right. Well, he <laughs> probably so, was that was so that people wouldn't see it at a distance. I don't think he expected someone to come correct. up and inspect the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. That would be the most obvious thing ever if I saw a car without number plates. Totally draws my attention to it, don't you find? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't yeah. Yeah. on a test drive from a, you know, it's got to be a new car, otherwise I'm like, what's going well, on funny, there? Funny, I always yeah. think they're a criminal. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deal plates, ice, ice runners, we call them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Up at Wodonga. <laughs> yeah, the, between Wang and Wodonga, there's the, the yeah. ice run. The ice run, yeah. honest me. Yeah, so there's often cars parked on the side of the highway. With police With tapering. No yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, yeah. So they noted down his registration and then they conducted a door knock of houses in the immediate area without success. News of an armed robbery came across the radio. It is Frankston. And so the police had to leave. Did <laughs> or, it say that in the, in the press? It is Frankston. Yeah, it is Frankston. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I should, I mean, I could have said news was constantly coming over the radio of an armed, of an robbery. armed robbery. It is Frankston. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, uh, and I should say it was Frankston. Yeah. You it know. has changed a lot. It has changed, yeah, correct. So they had to leave. When forensics experts later investigated the track, so this is post the murder, they found three holes had been cut in the wire fence with the same tool. Daniel later confessed to cutting those holes earlier in the day. So I could drag someone through them. He's preparing, yeah. Based on where he uh, managed to catch them, he'd have a hole not too far away. But how's that? So they are that close to catching him i know it's a shame they didn't yeah amazing so there was blood on one of the holes they also found skin and hair traces on natalie's body that didn't match hers upon hearing of natalie's murder the police who attended the toyota provided the investigators with registration of the vehicle which was quickly traced to its owner Paul Charles Denyer. uh detectives went to his unit on the afternoon of the 31st of july so um, if you recall, uh, Natalie was murdered on the 30th of July. Wouldn't you be gutted if you were one of the policemen who'd found that car and had the rego and they, for whatever reason, didn't do a, a check on him at his home or anything like that? You know? Well, Even yeah. Just but- to make him think he was under the spotlight and might have might have just stopped him going out prowling. Well, I think it's probably, like we were talking about, with all due respect to Frankston, it's probably a lot going on and that's a minor thing. Oh, yeah. But in, in hindsight, I think you're absolutely hindsight, right. Exactly. You'd be gutted. But, yeah, so don't, don't, they didn't do anything wrong. No. You would, but you would be, like, thinking. For, well, know, no, yeah. The other thing yeah. is it's it's likely, I don't see there being another option, but he's in there murdering Natalie while they're looking at the car, right, because then he's got to come out. I thought it was much later in the day that she was killed. No. Was it middle of the day, middle of the afternoon? She was killed um, coming home from school. Yeah. So he could have been there. Oh, God, that's it. Well, he would have been because he would have had to come back out, get in his car and drive off. Oh, that's So they're looking at his car whilst he's in there killing someone. Oh, God. Like that close. It's just incredible. And who knows how long he'd been waiting. If that postal worker had have been half an hour earlier and seen him looking suspicious and called the police, could have been very different. You know, the what ifs. There's a lot of what ifs. Yes, yeah, sliding doors. So detectives went to his unit on the afternoon of the 31st of July, the one that he shared with his girlfriend Sharon and next door to Donna's sister. Could you imagine her, Donna, finding out that she was living oh next door God. to the man who broke into her home 
Oh, that makes my honestly, oh, this I is, cats and all this the rest is really of it. awful. This, I it's so creepy, it. isn't it? That's a great word. It is really it's creepy. creepy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know what it is about. Maybe it was the stuff that he just done the just makes his skin crawl. killing the animals and the. Leaving the slash things with the things in the baby's cotton. Oh, it's really cre- It's like if you were a writer for a horror series, yeah. you go, "What? How else can we add a little bit more to this? Yeah, what yeah. else will really freak people out?" And I can yeah. only imagine being in that community. I mean, I, they wouldn't even be aware of this stuff at this point because they won't have made the connection with what. Oh, actually, had Donna ever reported that to the police? I presume she would have, wouldn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, had. who would not report? No, no, no. Yeah. Dead kittens and but they cats hadn't made that connection at that point. No, well, no, because no. that was a housebreaking. Yes, and, and not there's a, murders yeah. going yes, on that course. are out in the public. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I get it. There's yeah. a series of break-ins <gasps> going on, and there's a series of murders going on, yeah, and they're right. investigating them all, but yeah, okay. hadn't uh, they linked the murders okay, and probably the housebreakings. The yeah. gateway crimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but imagine that feeling and, and him saying, you know, if I find out who did it, I'll take care of them, and it's him. Mm. Mm. Oh, <laughs> It just makes you not want to trust anyone ever again. It's kind of like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, imagine she would be even more scarred having had that incident happen and then finding out that he was next door. Ugh. Oh, and then he goes on to say that if she'd been home, she would have been his first victim too. Correct, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Why did he go to her house? Like, why her? I still don't really understand. It was such a tenuous connection between him and her in the first instance, and yet it seemed so pointed. He rang her and then he went, you know, wrote shit on the wall. And Yeah, yeah. So he actually he he said that he hated her? Donna and Trisha uh, and that he had met Donna through his neighbour, Trisha. But why? Why do you hate her? Well, he, he didn't really like women, so so the, and and this oh, plays think? out again. Yeah, yeah, no, but so that it was just you know, I guess going back to Silence of the Lambs, you covered what you see every day. Were they mates with Sharon? No, 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 it wasn't that. I think he just hated women in Any general, women. and there was one next door. Okay, and so you know when Donna would go round, hate her too. All right, he would hate okay. her too. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Okay. Very, very weird. So police began questioning Denya and he admitted to being in the vicinity of the murders of Natalie, Debbie and Elizabeth. So on the night of Debbie's murder, Paul said that he'd been at Cannonock train station. This was also the one night that he hadn't picked his girlfriend up from the train station, so he would normally do that. On the night of Elizabeth's murder, he said that he'd been walking in the rain from his place to his mum's place looking for a spare car battery. He was what, walking in Lane Warren near Lloyd Park. Has anyone left a spare car battery yeah. down here? Does anyone why, would he, why would he sort of say that he was near them? And how would he remember what he was oh, I find that a bit odd. Well, this is the thing, right, and, and this is... He he absolutely tells the, them that he was in the area. I'm assuming yeah. because in case he was spotted, spotted. If they had oh, any evidence okay. that he was in so the he's area. So playing that, that game. He wasn't saying I, I was nowhere near, and he was saying, "Yeah, yeah, I was around there." Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. I don't right. know what you're talking about, but yeah. Because we've got an there. eyewitness account that saw you there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I was there. All that kind of stuff. What a coincidence. Yeah, well, so Denya agreed that this was very coincidental, (laughs) but that he was not responsible. When asked about Natalie Russell's murder, he said that he was aware of it. He had driven past the scene where he had seen SES workers with white tape. He said he was driving to the wreckers. He was asked if he knew the victims and how they died. He stated that Elizabeth had been strangled and Debbie had wounds to her body and upper body pointing to the exact area of Debbie's wounds. When questioned on this, Denya stated that it was just a lucky guess. 
Officers noted scratches on his hand, including a deep scratch on his finger. Denyer said that this had occurred when he was working on his car the day before, but police did not believe him. Denyer agreed to have his fingerprints and DNA taken, but looked very uncomfortable when agreeing to this. <laughs> yeah, well, if I say no, then I look really dodgy, so I kind of have to, but I really don't I like it. I feel like he should have got a lawyer a little bit earlier. Mm. Better um, get a lawyer, son. So detectives paused for a coffee break to await the testing. Denya had a toilet break and was accompanied by an officer. Denya started questioning him on why they wanted DNA evidence and how long it would take to get the results yeah, on the it DNA takes days. and match them to the killers. That's a very long coffee break yeah, and wee break. The officer said he couldn't answer. Mm. Denya paused for a bit, then said, I killed all three of them. Yeah, there's <gasps> no point waiting for that. DNA, I might as well yeah. just tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Ooh, God. Yuck. <laughs> just I'll out. save you the hassle. I'll save <laughs> you the hassle. I mean, I'm glad yeah. that he's yeah. said he did it and he's not out killing so more women. So is this 93 that he would have been admitted? About 93. Yeah, still 93. So it's, yeah. it's so on the 1st of August, Denya confessed to three murders so this is Natalie was killed on the 30th of July. Two days later, he's confessing he said, to all yeah, the murders. So they were red hot. That was fast, yeah. He also confessed to the attack on Rosa and the slasher break-ins. He went on to say that he'd been stalking women in the area for years and that he had a hatred for girls and women and a desire to kill from the age of 14. Oh, my word. Is that just his sexual must have maturation? Told everything, right? Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh gosh, it's so bad. Like, but most of the blokes who go around murdering women are women haters. I mean, that's not unusual. Well, I think you know, there's often Where a sexual element to it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes Where Sharon? there is, but oh, Where Sharon? Was Sharon? She's at home or at work. Well, she, yeah. So he thing. used to have to pick her up from the train station. How did he treat her? Well, there's no no talk about her, and I didn't want to go looking because I. Kind of thought, my God, but there's no trauma. no reports of her okay. being beaten or any of that sort of stuff. So yeah. I'm assuming because no. it's not sexual, I'm assuming he kind of goes, well, Gotta take I, his rage out she's on my someone partner, else, but mm. I'll go and yeah. hate everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So while the interview was going on, police searched Denya's home where they found a large knife, pliers, and a cord with knots at both ends that had hair on it. Oh, garot. Police were able to match the pliers to the ones that were used to cut the fence along Nat's track. Denya said he hated Donna and Trisha and that he had met Donna through his neighbour. Trisha later said that Denya was the nicest and most considerate person she'd ever met. Another neighbour echoed these sentiments. So he's just, you know, got his home Classic. life where he's yep. Wow, yeah. Yep. Classic one for two nice. personalities almost. Yeah, yeah. 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 How bad. So he was charged with the murders of Elizabeth Stevens, Debbie Freem and Natalie Russell, as well as the abduction of Rosa Toth. He pleaded guilty to all charges and did not contest them. Psychological evaluations determined Denya had a sadistic personality disorder, which is characterised by a lack of emotion regarding his victims, the single-minded desire to kill and the unusual randomness of his victims. So it's mm. it's quite incredible. You know, they were very, very random, somewhat opportunistic, I guess, as well. Dr. Ian Joblin, Denya's forensic psychologist, said he found intentional maltreatments of victims intensely gratifying, taking pleasure in torment, anguish, distress, hopelessness and suffering of the victim. 
We had this last time with your last guy. What's yeah, name? but imagine being. I told um, you, I've got my the, scented the, candle going for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the, so the last guy was doing the torture kind of thing until yeah. he ejaculated. Oh, so oh, it was yeah. it was quite a sexual thing. Okay, that's true. He doesn't do that. He's just getting pleasure from it. But imagine hearing that as the you know family of one of the victims. You know, your your seventeen or eighteen year old daughter has been murdered, or, or even your just because you know, someone enjoys inflicting pain on someone else. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But also, then it would make you kind of go, "He didn't do it quickly." You know how you kind of go, "God, if that has to happen, let's hope it happened quickly." Yeah. Mm. That makes it sound like it. It's torture. Wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, awful. He's not suddenly exploding with rage. The more aggressive he became, the more powerful he felt. Mm. So it's kind of a, a slower build-up, I guess. Denya also admitted to being influenced by the 1987 film The Stepfather. So have you seen The Stepfather? No. I didn't even know what it was talking about until I um, – I haven't seen the original, but I thought, oh, Stepfather, I wonder about that. And as it turned out, it was a movie that we watched like a couple of weeks, weeks beforehand. Yeah. Oh. It was a re a remake done in 2009. Have you ever watched You, the story yes. of the... Yes, yes, yeah. the stalker. So the guy yeah. in that, yeah. the lead character, yeah. um, is in The, the Stepfather. Actor. Right. And it's a story which is described as a psychological horror film with an identity-assuming serial killer, and it's basically a bloke who goes from family to family, you know, gets in with the mum who's single and then mm. she smitten, moves in and then ends up killing the family and going to the next one. Oh, nice. So just in terms of the 2009 remake, it was, I didn't think it was a, a psychological horror film at all, but it was more of a bit more of a suspense. It was a good watch, but disappointingly abrupt ending, wasn't it? it was just yeah. like, oh, and that's yeah. it, and that's it. So um, what did, did he, in the original one, is what he's saying he found interesting this getting close to people and then going into uh, the It was the, the method of killing, I think. Okay. He'd seen something that went, oh, yeah, that'll, that'll work. Um, yeah, I've so seen that when I watch a lot of these programs. I think, hmm, that does yeah. seem quite nifty. I'll put that down in my uh, little think boxes. Uh, and your notes in your yeah. phone. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still trying to work. I, yeah, exactly. Notes in my phone. Ideas. Yeah. Thing. I'm still trying to work through which will be my best method that will suit me. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pop that down in my notes. In amongst suggested ideas oh. for presents for the kids yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, favourite <laughs> restaurants that I'm yet to visit. I do. <laughs> For when I become a serial killer. Mm. So his trial went for four days and on the 20th of December 1993, he was given three consecutive sentences of life imprisonment with no parole. At his sentencing, Supreme Court Justice Frank Vincent described the murders as almost beyond comprehension. The commission of the crime of murder for practical purposes, the most serious offence known to law, is also a matter of deep concern to our society, Justice Vincent said. It almost trivialises your horrendous conduct to state that what you did on each occasion constituted a serious example of that most serious crime. He's using serious a lot. <laughs> I suspect that you will never fully comprehend why this should be so, as for reasons which we do not understand, in an important sense, you are not one of us. I quite like that. I quite like that last bit. You are not one of us. Yep. Yeah. I yep. think that's really apt, actually. You it is don't, good, isn't it? You don't live by the same kind of rules or you don't think yeah, the same yeah. way that, that our we need to be able to have people behave in a certain way for us yep. a society to be able to <laughs> function. See, so yeah. if they could banish 
it sounds like he would have been banished. Mm. Maybe think about that for your sentence. Justice Vincent said Daniel was assessed as having a sadistic personality disorder, which was probably untreatable. He also noted Denya had expressed no remorse and ultimately refused to set a non-parole period. On December the 31st, Denya lodged an appeal and was granted a non-parole period of 30 years, ending in 2023. That's why it's in the press. In 2003, whilst in prison, and this is the this is the bit that I kind of the remember. Irony? Den- yeah, exactly yes. right. Denya began identifying as a woman and went by the name Paula. Mm. Yeah. He, he lost a legal battle to be allowed to wear makeup in prison. However, he defied this and began wearing win- women's clothes and makeup. He requested to undergo gender reassignment surgery in the same year. I wish they had. They didn't do it, did they? Oh, uh, no. I and wish they had because he can't go be back. At the cost of the state. Well, still, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Corrections Minister Andre Hayamaya. <laughs> Hey, Maya, maybe. Oh. Rejected his request, stating that Denya is an attention seeker and is adamant the matter will go no further. Yeah. So okay, was fair adamant. Enough. Fair enough. This, this attempt to have his gender changed or reassigned is something that is deeply offensive to the families of the victims. True. And to the rest of the community. And we're adamant that it won't proceed, he said. Oh, I don't it's know. Right. I could knock his genitals off for him. <laughs> <laughs> one big punch. <laughs> it's one big nut punch. Won't replace that. them with anything, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair too. I think it's already been knocked back by the Equal Opportunity Commission, and we think this should not go any further. He said, uh, gone through them to to see whether or not he could have it done, and they said no as well. Mm. I, I find it really interesting because. 2003, the whole gender scene was very different to 2023. No, I wonder. Was nowhere near as common. No, we weren't yeah. talking about no. that at all. If no. it were to happen so, now, yeah, you mean? tranny. You would never say that now. You know, what I mean, mm. it's just totally different vocab. It's just, you know, it's totally different. 20 years well, makes a big. Oh, yeah, well, even the, the they them kind of, yeah, the, the fact that there exist. are people who don't identify as yeah. either or. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very different conversation, I think, now. Correct. Um, although I do support what they did in this instance. Yeah. Denya has, has claimed that his feelings of gender dysphoria are what led him to seek revenge against women by murdering them. Oh, fair enough. Mm. I want to be a woman, so I'll kill them. In, in one of his letters, he wrote, I committed these disgusting crimes not because I ever hated womankind, but because I never really felt that I was a male. Mm, no. 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 Computer says no. At the time, prisoner support groups said that he cannot be anything but serious about the transition, given that it would entail personal risk. It's interesting, isn't it? Natalie's mother, Carmel, said she was sickened by Denya's sex change request. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why they're even bothering to listen to him. He's got no right to demand what he wants. He's murdered the three girls. It just makes us feel so sick, Mrs. Russell told ABC Radio. He said he hated women and now he wants to be changed to a woman. I just don't understand. He said he murdered these girls because he hated women. Mrs. Russell said the pain of Natalie's death never went away. He's got his life. We haven't got Natalie and it's not just us. There's a little boy out there that has lost his mother, she said. So that's in relation to Debbie, whose 12-day-old boy was at home. Yeah. Denya applied for parole in 2023, requesting his earliest possible release date, the 11th of April. 
This reignited discussions around Denya and caused further distress to the family and friends of the victims. Victorian MP David Limbrick, who was Miss Russell's boyfriend at the time of her death, how about that? Is among the family Natalie and Russell. friends fighting to keep Denya behind bars. Wow. That's insane, isn't well, it? Because it's 30 years later. Who is so. it? Who, sorry, what did you say? Natalie so Russell's boyfriend Natalie Russell, at the time. Yeah, when yeah. she was killed, her boyfriend became a Victorian MP. Oh, right. Okay. And is fighting not to have him yep. released. So he said, clearly, the government's chosen to put their faith in the parole process. So I think our, our role now is to make our voices heard so hopefully the parole board will see and listen to the concern from the community. Meanwhile, Natalie's father, Brian Russell, told the Herald Sun he was disgusted about the thought of Denya being freed. It's a kick in the guts. He ruined our lives, Mr Russell told the Herald Sun. I know it's not, oh. but it sounds like such an Australian expression. It's a kick in the guts. A kick in the guts. You know, it's like yeah. 20... Like yeah. your stepmother referring to something as shit house. You know, it's just got that real Aussie sound shit to it. Shit house is yeah. such an Aussie one, isn't it? Yeah. So Mr. Russell said he was a bit shocked, to be honest, when he got the call. Why they are going out of their way to be nice to this person is beyond me. He should never be released. Former homicide detective Charlie Bazina, who helped put Denya behind bars, said he believed he would absolutely kill again. There is no doubt in my mind, he said. He's programmed that way. On the 10th of May 2023, the court the court rejected his appeal for parole and the decision brought relief for the families. Yep. Brian Russell said it was the best news he'd heard in 30 years. Oh. He also said Denya has no remorse and is proud of what he did. David Limbrick, the Vic MP who was yeah, Natalie's excellent. boyfriend at the time, uh, said he would push to reform the parole process. Now is the time to have a conversation about how we manage this going forward, he said. We just can't keep going through this every few years. Because imagine that, every couple of years he applies for parole. That's the system. I mean, that is his right. The parole board should just say, no, you're a risk and decline it. Well, it's interesting that his original sentence was no parole. But and then, under then appeal, he appealed. got it turned over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, you've got the right of appeal. I mean, that's, that's the whole point of how the system is structured. Like, yes. He admitted to doing this. There's no question that he did it. Yes, I believe he should remain behind bars. I think he is a risk to society, but that's the whole point of the process. He still has some rights, though. Well, well he does. I mean, I mean, he does, but I guess the question is should he? Yes. Jesus. Well, we may as well bring back the death penalty if we're going to go down that path, and none of us agree with that. No, but so then we have to sentence him in trial by one world. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because I'm happy with him not having any rights. I'm happy with him not having any testicles, but we'll move on. All right, so what, what do you think, ladies? Oh, I'm a repugnant individual, but, you know, obviously sick, sick, sick. I just I was thinking about it earlier. It's really difficult, these situations, because, you know, just to quote Carla, time and again we see, you know, all these red flags. And But what do you do? Like if you're the mother of a kid who displays these red flags, you can't put them into an institution or have them put down or whatever it is that you might do if it was a dog or, you know, I know that sounds terrible, but if a dog was aggressive, if a dog ripped the entrails of a cat out in your kitchen, killed two kittens in your bath and wrote on your walls, you'd have it put down. I mean, I know we didn't know that was him at the time and that was yeah, pre, yeah. pre-attack, but some of the things that were happening in his childhood, I'm not blaming his mother. I'm saying, what do you do? Yeah. Well, I think the, the kid, so the cat hanging from the tree was... 
That's probably a clear the sign. one that you would go. But I think back then we wouldn't have gone, you know, no. cruelty to animals is a precursor to murder. But I think nowadays we would say that. Well, when did he do that? Was that 80-something? That would have been He's, he's two yeah, years older than me, so it would have been in, in the, the 80s. They definitely knew at that point in time that serial killers had a penchant for cruelty to animals. When you say they, though, who do you mean? Because I don't know that that would be widely I don't think Australians about were that in... backward in, in criminal, you know, investigative realms. I just don't I'm think we were sure exposed to a lot of stuff like that. If you really think yeah, about I agree. the news, the news that we were exposed to, how news was shared. I, I remember growing up in the 80s where there were things that would happen, um, but we certainly weren't hearing, I don't think we heard a lot of stuff, like if there was a US serial killer or, you know, UK serial killer, there wouldn't have been a lot of information on it. You know, political stuff, there would have been stuff on the news, but a lot of it with local stories. So when something like this would happen, it was such a huge shock. I don't think we were ever really talking about profiles of people or their background it was just like oh my god there's a killer you know we're we're at risk and I could imagine that's what I think the this story sort of hits a little bit closer to home is because it it is Australian based it is within our lifetime it's so much more sort of I could imagine it I really could where some of the other ones I think I'm able to put a little bit of distance between myself and the crime because I choose to do something that's a bit foreign I think oh gosh you know that's part of you know, somewhere else, far off, but this is really in our backyard, certainly yours, yeah, really, literally. Yeah. Mm. So it's it's very difficult to hear. You can kind of imagine someone coming home from school, woman, dro- you know, running out to get the milk, being at a train station, going to your car. Correct. They're all things that we've done a million times without putting yeah. ourselves at risk or putting yourself into a, a dangerous situation. It's just That's something that struck scary. me. Scary. I know, find that really haunting. Yeah, like when people say things like, you know, you dress that way and so you're inviting yourself to be raped yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I don't Wrong, agree with any yeah, of yeah. that. But, I know you don't. But yeah. there is no way that you can look at what these women were no. doing and go, my God, that's risky. Yeah, there's no risky behaviour, right? The it's victims really did not every ask day for it. No, of course not. Yes, no one ever they does. They definitely but, didn't. But they weren't, you know, how do I say this? They weren't doing anything that you might have even said, oh, that was Correct. It's not risky. They weren't walking home from a nightclub at 4 o'clock in the morning, hammered, you know what I mean? No, it's like that. like coming home from school. Just terrible. Getting me at the milk. Oh, my God, with a 12. That's just beyond. The the thing about the cat hanging from the tree, though, Schmidt, I was thinking about with serial killers is more that the mum wouldn't know that. So she wouldn't even go that's disturbing, maybe my son's going to be a serial killer. So if yeah. it had been reported to police and gone got to the right person, yes, they yes. might have gone, oh, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a mum with six kids would just be going, oh, what? You're, you know. You're a sick shit. Smacked him with a wooden spoon a few times and then had to put the cat in the bin. Probably like, wouldn't have known what to do actually, yeah. I think that's right, yeah, yeah. Just would have been horrified and disturbed. Mm. Anyway, I suppose what I was saying was that, you know, now we do know about these things. Correct. You still haven't got any ethical position to prevent them in some ways. You know, you can give your no. kid, put no. your kids in therapy and all the rest of it if you think they need it. But, you know, if they're going to kill someone, they're probably going to kill someone. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on the whole transgender thing. Are you, are you going, none of that's true? That he transgendered um, and wanted to transgender. No, that he, that he thought he was a woman in a man's body kind of thing. Or you got, do you think that's more manipulation and more designed to get attention? I don't know that he's that smart. 
to be honest. I, I don't know how intelligent he really is. I think I think definitely the transgender thing is a bit to get attention, but there may be a grain of truth in the fact that because he didn't fit in, you know, he may have had gender identity, gender identity issues, or even sexuality issues that haven't you know, that weren't dealt with or he wasn't comfortable with being that led to a rage or led to an anger. Like that, that is all, to- that's quite feasible. Then turning around and saying, oh, oh I've realised it's because I'm not a woman and if I was a woman I wouldn't have these feelings and I wouldn't want to attack people. I-, I think you're too far gone once you've killed three people, you know. So mm. so I, I don't think that you can. I think it was a method to separate the actions of Paul Denya and to create a new persona of Paula Denya, which would help him have some distance from it all to some degree. But I also think that it wouldn't solve the issue and I think that he's, yeah, he's just too sick. But I believe he's actually gone back and he's decided he's a male again. He has. He has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is why I think it's a shame that he didn't actually have the surgery because then he would have been stuck being a woman. Yeah. Which is fine for those of us who are and identify as or whatever, but I feel like the fact that he flipped, that would have been good for him yeah, to I rem- have to commit. I remember at the time too he he wanted the state to pay for it and I think that was one of the big controversies where... Well, he wasn't going to have enough money to pay for it. Correct, yeah, mm. yeah. What do you earn when you're in jail? Not a lot. Certainly not, you know, enough to cover that and pay on your private health insurance to get your gender reassignment surgery. Do you think we would deal with that request differently today? No. I think it sounds to me like some of the controversy of that was that it looked like it was actually being entertained. Yeah. So people were doing the job of investigating, whether you know, what would be involved. There was a question of the state paying for it. It went to the, did you say the... Not discrimination. What equal was opportunity. Equal opportunity. Yeah, yeah, people seriously looked at it and that would have upset other people who were like, you can't Correct. possibly look properly at this. So I think at that point in time the, the process was appropriately followed. It was reviewed and then they decided, no, we're not going to go ahead with it, whether it be a cost issue or even a psychological issue in that we're not really convinced that it is the right decision for you at this time. You know, you've got the external factor of people who are the, the victims' families who are so traumatised by everything. Of course they're going to be furious about it. Of course they're not going to want him to have anything. That's completely understandable. But I think if you take that emotion out of it, those people who are running that process, here's the request, we'll just, you know, go through the motions yeah. that we go through to determine it, probably did the same as they do today. I'm glad you say that. I, I would hate to think that he'd get a different outcome today. So my sentence, though, is... You've been just... Aching to... Itching and you keep asking me other questions, yes. Yeah, go on, get it out. Well, you know, at the beginning, well, his first victim who had damage to her face, suggesting that he'd stomped on her face. Yes. That, Carly, you often say the one thing you take away or the thing that stays with you, for some reason that fact lodged itself quite firmly in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminded me of a scene in not one of his best... Baz Luhrmann's film, Australia, where, as I say, not one of his best. I was so excited when that was coming out, thinking Mm. that, you know, Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman were going to be in, it was going to be great. It it was too long. It should have been cut in half. It should have ended where they were sort of happy ever after. And then that whole second bit with the Japanese should have been part two. Just just if in case you're listening, Baz, that's just my advice for how to approach it in the future. There's a scene in it where... What's his name? The most famous Australian actor who's in everything. Oh, Bob. Brian. Um, 
no. You, you can't. You Jack can't Thompson. Fight Jack Thompson. Jack Thompson. Ah. No, no, no. No, it's not your. Fa- no, he was in I everything. You're right, one. but yeah. yes, they're, they're almost interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, Jack. Jack Thompson. You know, in the bit where he gets uh, stampeded by the cows, he gets he dies. Right. So you might you're not right. remember this, but the they're doing a muster and they're bringing these cows to take them down to the pier at Darwin to make money or something. And there's a bad moment, and there's this stampede of this huge herd of cows, and Jack Thompson's character gets squished by the cows. And the reason that also stays in my mind is that as the dust settles and you see his face, they show it very briefly. It is a, just a mess because he's been Hooved. crushed by ho- oh. hooves. Yes, that is my oh. sentence for Paul Daniel. <laughs> the oh. by cows. Yeah. Or, or cloven-footed animals will do. I don't really care if they're cows or horses or goats, you know, just mm-hmm. things that because they've all got hippopotami, yeah, whatever. Go for it. Smush, smush him smush into him. the inner face. Smush him in the face is my sentence. Yeah, nice. I think that's appropriate. Swanny? I think that sort of looking at a couple of different things, one being the crimes that he's committed, the second thing being whether he should have been allowed to trans transition. <laughs> Transgender. Transition, I, yeah. I think that when you, you put yourself out there and you have committed crimes of this nature and you've gone through a trial and you've made it quite clear and you not under duress, but you've said I hate women. Mm-hmm. I hate women to the the point that I stalk them and I kill them. So then to then come forward and say, look, you know, the reason on on, on you know on reflection, perhaps what was happening was I really wanted to be a woman. I think uh, no, that just yeah. that can't be entertained. I don't. Uh, no, 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 no. That's a no from me. That's a, a hard no, no from me. It's a pass, <laughs> and you can just you can just leave that. Bernadette, no, that one. And those poor mm. families no. having to listen to that shit. Mm-hmm. I just think oh. that that's highly inappropriate and I, I, I feel so sorry for the families of these, well, of all the crimes that we look at, but when something so terrible has happened to your child, sister, wife, husband, cousin, whatever it is, and then you, they've gone through the trauma of that and then there's these continued things that continue to happen and it gets dredged up again and you're having to entertain because you know somebody else is at least having to listen to it because, you know, we're a fair and just society and that, you know, there are human rights issues obviously involved with listening to people in prison or not. The reality of having to go through that again, knowing what they've done to your loved one, that must be absolutely horrendous. I just think, God, that that thing, that annoys me really, really. Oh, I can't even imagine. And then sometimes I I freak out because of the person that I am. I think we have talked about so many crimes in our time trial by wine and I know the objective of us is to share a crime and to have a bit of a giggle as we do it. And I, I always think, gosh, I hope that we are not seen as being disrespectful to you know, yeah, the people who yeah. have had to be you know, the victims of the crime and their families. But this is just one of those examples where I think, oh, my God, why do we have to hear about it? I mean, deal with it and it, 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 there's no good comes from hearing about it. You know what I mean? I just feel so yeah, sorry yeah. for the who have suffered. But in terms of an actual punishment for you know, trial by one punishment, for Paul Denyer, I thought Paul Denyer would meet his match if he were to meet on a train like train station down in Franger one afternoon, one evening, one night, whenever. He's down there loitering around the train station in the hopes that he might find a victim 
And who should he happen upon but our the old Red mate, Ripper? Andre, Andre. Chicatello. <laughs> <laughs> because guess what Andre's down hanging around the train station looking for? <laughs> Chicatello, yeah, you and I know. Well, 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 Deirdre Chambers, what a coincidence. Fancy running into you down here. And I would not mind Andre perhaps having a little bit of a chat to Paul, putting him at ease because Andre used to be able to have a chat to people, didn't he? Put yeah, him at ease. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, and then perhaps off they go for a little bit of a wander. Maybe they'll head for a drink and then Andre could Bam! do his thing and have him suffer at the hands of someone to do what he does to people. It's just he's met his match. Someone else who is as sick. type. Yeah, De- it's yeah, so De- macabre <laughs> that they just think, you know what, I'd do this too, you know, and I've got a little bit more practice than you. <laughs> because yeah, the reality, yeah. that's what I just can't get my head around, and I know I'm sort of harking back to Andre Chikatello, but how many, was it 60? Uh, he was uh, six, 57 uh, or something. 67, yeah, that yeah 50, 52, 52 I think he was convicted, convicted of. 53 and, more, and yeah. confessed to yeah. 56 you know, or something. Yeah. He, this guy was, you know, next I mean, the fact that we've had to listen to the fact that Paul has done three, but with the other additional sort of stalking work that he'd done as well, it's always difficult. And I think what happens when we do the crimes where there's so many people, we, you start to be desensitised, yeah, yeah. right? You do, but absolutely. three, so I would, I would, that would be my crime. I don't, I don't really want to go into the detail of what he does to him, but you know, he's met his match, and he he met yeah, someone yeah. who can dish out what you know you can. What would he would do to someone else? And I, I'm hoping that the, one of the first things Andre says to him is he's got him tied up because I think yeah. he used to tie him by the back of the hands before yeah. he started his routine. Yes, was you're nothing more than a grubby little amateur. Yes, yes you're not one of us. No, you're, you're like not one. Of- <laughs> <laughs> you're not one of them, and you're not, you're one, not one of us. us. <laughs> I don't know what you are, mate, but you do not yeah, belong yeah. here either. Yeah. Oh, Swanee, that's... Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah. I do have one other thing that I would like to... It is a hard one for me. Um, normally I avoid that bit and I'd like to say well done to the police. Yeah. Oh, how good. Yeah. This is, this is. we don't often... It's not that we don't... Obviously we don't often get to say this. The idea is that because something hasn't gone right is why it's a crime that we would discuss, right? Yeah, You know, yeah. normally if it's a one-off thing and whatever else, it doesn't lead to such a great story. And we're trying to generate a story with, you know, twists and turns and missed opportunities and whatever else. Otherwise, you know, it'd be a pretty short podcast. But yeah, in this yeah. instance, we're talking about a number. He, he he killed these three women. I think it was within two Maybe and a half, three weeks. weeks. It was, it, was it, it that was ele- 11th of June, June to the 29th that's of right. July. Yep, so oh, yeah. that's, 30th of July, so sorry. They yeah. were so very that, fast, yeah. That's really quick. But also the community. So, yes, the police did yes. a fabulous job, but... Yeah. The amount of sort of publicity and the way they managed it, having that Australia Post woman who saw the car, yeah. knew it was out of place and acted on it. Which Absolute is a hero. perfect yeah. segue into my final point, which again goes back to Andre Chikatilo when the Russians were going, were no, 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 <laughs> we're not going to talk yes, to anybody. We this is not them. happening. Isn't it amazing what can happen when people are aware and a community is on you know, high alert to go, right, yes. what are we looking for? How can we help each other? How can we protect mm. our, you know, young women, everybody really? L- what are we looking for? Because what we tend to find is it's not the people that you think, oh, that person looks like a serial killer. It's mm. it's rarely that. It's mm. normally who's being really nice, who's my neighbour next or who's super helpful. That's <laughs> the stuff that doesn't find us. It's actually something that doesn't, it's something that seems slightly odd. Why is that car parked there? 
Why has that person got binoculars in the middle of an afternoon looking down a track? Though they're the things, right? Well, you've got somebody else saying, oh, he's a lovely neighbour. Well, that might well be the case. But it's the other thing where you're looking for behaviours that are slightly out of character, out of character, or not even necessarily out of character, but out of yeah, why yeah. is that car there? Why it just doesn't is that, seem yeah. like it. I don't it know that person fit. who's doesn't doing it. Doesn't fit the scenario something or the feels, story. Yeah. yeah. Off. So I, yeah. it was interesting that I thought that it was a, it was nice to be able to, having done <laughs> Andre Chikatilo and the horrors of that, to be able to compare the two and say, actually, there is something good that we can take from this. Let the public know. Have people be aware of what's going on. Police doing fabulous policing work. There are some positives to take from another terrible, terrible story. But it was really interesting. And I didn't know this story, but I think that when I you got to the end and they started talking about the transgender part, that I had been yes. aware of in the sense that I've seen a little bit on the news, but because I wasn't aware of the crimes that were committed beforehand, I didn't really take much notice. I was just mm. sort of like, oh, that's a headline. I'm aware of that. Oh, yeah, that's that again. But, you know, obviously growing up in... Victoria, you guys would have been listening with much more yeah, yeah. intent and personal interest having lived it. Oh, good good sentence and, and good rap. I, I can't help. Remember how we've spoken about how people who are rapists go into prison and they don't model prisoner, re-offend yeah. again? Because there's no one to they, rape. Yeah, yeah, correct. Mm. There's I no can't women help to hate think in jail. Oh, maybe that not. he wanted to transgender knowing that he's going to be in prison forever so they could get into a women's prison so then he would have the opportunity to oh, murder again. That is so twisted. In which case, I think you know he's he's done this horrible thing. He's still looking for a way to do it again. So you know, when people say if they let him out, he's only going to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he knows he's not getting out, so he's trying to find a way that he can get that opportunity. It's it's horrendous. And and then I I guess you know also to people who are legitimately wanting to transgender. You know, the, the the flippancy with which he's dealing with that, because it is quite a serious issue and must be very hard for people who are legitimately in that situation. He's he's made a mockery of that as well. So I think what I would like, probably similar to yours, Schmidty, but instead of being livestock, I would like it to be so, you know, there's obviously a a part of trial by wine world that is fun and you know there's nightclubs and all that sort of stuff. Ladies and stilettos. A hundred percent ladies, <laughs> trannies, maybe oh. even drag queens, all running to the train station that he's <laughs> hanging out at because they don't want to miss the last train. He's there waiting and they absolutely mow him down, mm. stomp all over him. I wouldn't mind a couple of the stilettos going in the eye sockets. Oh, I just single feel white like female. That would, yeah, exactly, single <laughs> oh. white female. Yeah, yeah. Finish him off that way because he is horrid. All right. Well, that was uh, a good, good one, a bad one, and a good like they all are. They're all awful. <laughs> And yet they're all in some way good and entertaining. That was a a good roundup, I think, at the end, Uh, probably more serious than we often are, but great topic, yeah. 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 It's quite deep, isn't it, and and close to home and Too close to home. Too close to home, totally terrifying. Well, he loves a good Aussie one, don't you? You, No, it was good. Of course we need to do Aussie ones. Yeah, I I just think that we... We often overlook that, the, the Australian side of things, because there's so many incredible ones overseas. I think I do. One in every three episodes nearly is an Australian it. one. 
No, what I mean is we as in as a, we um, Australians. society, Australians, yeah, generally like focus pretend. overseas yeah. and we can sit here and talk about the American ones or the Russian ones or yeah. whatever, but there are some incredible examples of this 100%. in Australia as well. And when you think about it as a percentage of the population, so I think we've said before with the 300 million people in America, of course there's lots of crime that takes place there just by yeah, yeah. as a ratio of the population, same with 60 million in the UK. But what are we up to now, 25 million here in Australia? And yet you keep pulling out one after the other. Well, I haven't even started on Adelaide yet, which is the serial killer capital of the world. Of the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, oh, that, was, that, that used to be of the world. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are the capital. We are the capital. Yeah. Oh, how gross. Um, I think I think there was a stat that was thrown around a few years back because of Snowtown. Snow well, because per capita they had more serial killers than and anywhere churches. else. In the world. I don't know whether there was any fact to it, but that yeah. was certainly. What right. was thrown around. Well, I look forward to hearing about more grizzly murders coming from uh, <laughs> South Australia. Let me know in advance and I'll pair it with a nice Barossa red. All right, well, great show, great game, great chat. And uh, as we say every week, miss you already. Yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.